Let's read from verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue, called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven uh, from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great, And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed blaspheme God because of the plague of the heel, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Keep your Bibles open, please. We'll refer to these things in a few moments. Let us pray. Our eternal Father, we thank and praise you for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you, Father, that you have loved us from before the foundation of the world. We thank you, you have given us to your Son and that he has come and he has redeemed us through his precious shed blood. We thank you, Lord, for your Spirit who lives in our hearts, those of us who know you, who are saved. And we thank you, Lord, tonight that we are sealed, secure, I thank you that we're yours tonight, Lord. We pray tonight, Father, in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus, as we approach thy throne of grace, we ask thee, Lord, to look our way again tonight. Lord, that you would speak into the hearts and lives and minds of people in this place. As our faces differ, so do our needs. And we ask you, Lord, that you would meet everyone at the point of their need. Would you save any that are unsaved? Would you restore the backslider who's come in? Would you strengthen the weak and warm the cold? Lord, would you heal the sick that's in our midst and your presence tonight? Remember those who are in hospital. Think especially of Jackie tonight with her mommy there. We pray for your healing hand to be upon them. Lord, that she might know your touch. Think of those, Lord, still tender after bereavement, that your comfort would draw near to each and every one, and those who are away. Think of Matt at home sick tonight, and others, Lord, that cannot be with us. We pray, Lord, your blessing to be upon them. Now shut us, each and every one of us, in with yourself. And Lord, speak to our hearts and help me Help me to glorify you and your Son. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Revelation 16 and in verse 12, it says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Now, the vial is poured out upon the great river Euphrates for something to happen. We're going to look at it. I've told you, some of you will know this, and I spoke a little on it last week, I think it was, or the week before. 
And this is an entirely different message, but you're going to see things I've told you before to move us on further. Notice this. The sixth angel pours out his vial for a reason. Something of an epoch will happen in the earth. And it says, The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. That, and here it is, that the way of the kings of the east. Now this is from Canaan land, east of Canaan land, not east of Ireland, or northern Ireland, or United Kingdom. East of Canaan land, that the ways of the kings of the east might be prepared. The number six, notice the sixth angel, the seventh angel, and there's a period of time between these two angels. We don't know the length of the period, We are not sure. We just have to realize that God says the sixth angel and then there's a seventh angel and the period in between. The sixth, number six, is believed in Bible numerology. It is the number of man. But it also gives the idea and is related to human weakness. It is related to the evils of the devil and of the flesh throughout the scripture, and the manifestation of sin. The manifestation of sin. Now, the number six in its relation to man, for example, in the book of Genesis, man was created on the sixth day. On the sixth day. Hence, the number six starts its link with man. Man was to work six days, and the rest on the seventh, a pattern of the creation of God, He created six days and rested the seventh. But there's another one I want you to see, and write it down for time's sake. I have taught on this chapter, and it's Revelation 13, but I've taught on it before some years ago, and I might refresh it again to you. But Revelation 13 and verse 18 says this. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding Count the number of the beast. Now notice, the number of the beast. For, the number of the beast, notice, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and six, or as we would know it, six, six, six. We have 6,000 years from Adam, from Adam kind was made. The number six and man. And of course, the return of the Lord Jesus again comes at the 7,000 where that is his millennial kingdom when Christ comes again. But take note, the sixth angel, Revelation 16 and 12, and then in verse 17 of the scripture, we have the seventh angel. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne. Notice, saying, it is done. Now, this is important. This is important. It is done. So the sixth angel, we see from then to the seventh angel's vial, we see spiritual wickedness. We see fallen man's last days. And we see God's judgment upon the earth. Take note. The world system of things. Political. The political system. Ecclesiastical system. The financial system. Three parts of great Babylon city found in verse 19, the three-part or the tripart city is the great city Babylon. Now, here in Revelation chapter 16 and in verse 19, it is not the ancient Babylon. It is not that city where we'll read of Daniel. We'll look at it in a minute. But it's all the mysteries of Babylon. Now in the earth, the spirits of devils that are working miracles, it is all of the uh, the, the very programs that are being brought forth in the earth and the conglomerate of nations, whether it be the 
EU, the UN, the WEF, the WHO, whether it be the ecumenical movement and system, whether it be the Romanism, bringing in apostate Protestantism, all coming together, bringing everyone, every man so-called on his religion, his belief, his God, and even, uh, pardon the saying, his dog in, as we would say. And there is the ecumenical system which is happening in the earth today, all headed up in the papacy. The vicar of Christ, his Roman numeral name, and his numerical value of it is 666. The vicar of Christ. If you look it up, you'll find the, the Roman numerals or the, the numerical system, pardon me, in the Latin is 666. Gathering the people, gathering the nations, gathering what's known as the, the, the Abrahamic families, as it's called together, and all headed under the papal system of Rome. Take note of this. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 19, in the great city, now this is the world, this is spiritual now, this is, it, it, it is physical, but it's the spirit of it, spirit of Babylon. Notice what it says, and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So God is going to pour out his wrath upon this world's wicked system. If you look at all the things that are happening in our world tonight, if you look at the wickedness and man's inhumanity to man and all of those things that are happening that are really demonic spirits, as the Bible says, the spirits of devils working miracles through it. God is going to pour out his wrath upon us. And all who are not saved and do not know Christ will find themselves under the wrath of God. Here's something for you to take note of. In Revelation chapter 16 and in verse 17, notice it says at the end of it, it is done. It is done. This is the same, uh, this is said the same in the same context as the Lord Jesus said in John 19 and verse 30. When he cried from the cross as he bore away our sin, it is finished. In other words, our sins were paid in full, totality, in its completeness. Nothing to add, nothing to give, nothing to do. Christ has paid it all. Christ has done it all. And when he cried, it is finished, brothers and sisters, those who trust in his finished work at Calvary, as you have and I have, we are forgiven of our sins. And you and I are saved by his grace and washed in his blood. Here the angel cries, in the seventh angel, it is done. Same sort of context. Listen, from the throne comes a cry, in Revelation 16 and 19, pardon me, 17, it is done. In John chapter 19 and verse 30, from the cross comes the cry, it is finished. And then thirdly, in James chapter 1 and in verse 15, listen to what James says. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now we know that James is liking that to men and women in this life who have not yet had their sins washed away, who have never come under, as it were, the fountain of blood, who have never put their full reliance and total trust in Christ and his finished work at Calvary. But also the world system that we are speaking of tonight this whole cosmos, this whole world system that we are in, but we're not off. We walk in it. We live in it. We have no choice in it, but we're not off it. Notice this whole system of the world 
It's sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And the Lord, his word says that his wrath will be poured out. And when their cup is filled, at the time when it's right, God will pour out his wrath and the sin of this world will find that it will come under the judgment of God. Here's something I want to just interject with tonight and ask you, are you saved? As I look around, I think I know everyone that I can see. But just in case I miss someone, are you saved tonight? Do you know Christ as your Lord? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you right with God tonight? Are you right with him? And so the, there's a cry that is done from the throne in heaven. There was a cry from the cross in Calvary. It is finished. And here's a cry from the grave. Many who would have wished to hear one more time the grace of God and the blood of Christ. But it's too late. So the number six, the number of man. The number seven is God's perfect number of completeness. Completeness means that it's finished. It gives the idea that God's work is in perfection. Perfection. For example, there are seven sayings from the cross. Our Lord Jesus starts off with, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he returns again, as it were, to his father in relationship and says, Father, into thy thy hands I commend my spirit. And there are five other sayings in between. And the very center one is when he cries, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In other words, here he is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right in the very center of the seven, he cries because the Father as such has turned his face away because his son was paying the penalty of your sin and of mine. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then returning again, as it were, into that fellowship with his father, and he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But the sixth, six is the number of man. The sixth cry from the cross is, It is finished. Number six, for fallen man, he finished it. He paid the debt that you and I should have paid. Take note of this. Will you turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, please? Revelation 3, and we'll come back to this chapter in a little while. Revelation 3, please. Now, in Revelation chapter 2 and in chapter 3, there are seven churches mentioned, which were literal churches around, well, Turkey, where it would be today, around Asia, Asia Minor. And these seven churches, there's a letter written from the risen Lord, the ascended Christ, through John, to give to the churches. Starts with the church of Ephesus, and it goes right through one letter to each church. Finishes off with the Laodicean church, the seventh church. But throughout time, from Ephesus, the early church, it goes in a pattern right through. Right through this history, right up until tonight. You have Ephesus from just after the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then the churches go across chapters 2, chapters 3. You have Ephesus, you have Smyrna, you have Pergamos, Thyatira. And they all mean something, and there's all something different that happens. I haven't time to go through it tonight. And then in chapter 3, there's Sardis, the church of Sardis. Then the church of Philadelphia. That would be the church of brotherly love. For Philadelphia, you get the name uh, uh, for, for uh, love, uh, not a, a, agape or agape, as some people would pronounce it, but it would be phileo, which means a friendship, a kinship together. And so Philadelphia means church of brotherly love. And hence, this is that in time, in, in history, it would bring you to the time when in Britain there was great missionary endeavor. We had great preachers like John Wesley and Charles Wesley writing the hymns. We had great preachers like 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon and Joseph Parker, and we could go on and on. And that's the time of the Church of Brotherly Love. But at the beginning, end of uh, the, the 19th into the 20th century, the church changed. I want you to take note of this. The church in history changed, becomes known as the Laodicean church in history. And the Laodicean church is the church in Revelation 3. And uh, let your eye just run down the chapter, please. Until verse 14. Revelation 3 and verse 14. Unto the angel of the church. This is the seventh church of the Laodiceans, right? These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Take note. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. And the Lord's saying to the church of this age, this last 100 plus years, he's saying that you're not refreshingly cold, neither are you passionately hot. The church takes a turn. And notice what he says then. Verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Listen, you think of the, especially the church. We're talking about the church in the West here, especially. And you think about the church. It's all about prosperity now. It's all about, all about me, all about good living, about what I can have and the prosperity that I can have, the, the money that I can attain and the, the wealth that I can accumulate. And Jesus is saying, thou, thou saying, thou art rich and increased with goods and of need of nothing. And knowest not, now listen to what he says to today's church, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now Christ said that to the church of the Laodiceans. The church of the Laodiceans is the church of the laity. It means the preachers are afraid to preach the word. That's what it means. The preachers are afraid to preach the word. The laity, the people in the pew, if you want, tell the preacher how long to preach, what to preach, when to preach, not to preach hard things, but smooth things, things that make it good for me and easy for me, things that will pump up my tires as such. And this is the church of the Laodiceans. Jesus says, you make me want to spew you out of my mouth. See, take me either get refreshingly cold for Christ or passionately hot for him again. Refreshingly cold means that you come alongside those that are weak and you refresh them. You come alongside those that are weak and you, you tell them not to be like them, but you tell them of the hope that is in Christ, of the grace of God. And then we have the passionately hot ones, those who are on fire, on fire for Christ. CT, can we get like that again? We are at the last, the end time, as it were, church. Church number seven. And where we are, I'm going to show you, where we are is between the sixth angel's vial and the seventh angel vial. And then the world, you're going to find out, we're going to show you, in the world is the spirits of devils working miracles all over the place. And the Lord Jesus says to you and I tonight, are you cold or hot for me? Are you lukewarm? I haven't time to go into this, but there was a, uh, there, there was, they, they piped the water down from the mountains and started off refreshingly cold in the literal Laodicean uh, city. And as they piped the water down, because of the sun, by the time it got down to ground level, it was lukewarm. This was literally now, it was lukewarm. It wasn't warm enough to bathe in, to cleanse anybody in. But it wasn't cold enough to drink. It was a lukewarm water. It was like, whoa, rotten. And the Lord Jesus sees this, as it were, from heaven. 
and he sees that water and he says, see that? That's how you are, church. You're either cold or hot, and you make me want to spew out of my mouth. For you're saying, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And no sign not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee, he says. Let's listen to the counsel of Christ tonight. Verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold right in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyes, so that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He said that to the church tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying this to the church tonight. Maybe saying it to a, a brother here tonight or a sister tonight. Someone who's went wayward in heart and wayward in life and Maybe someone who used to be... Remember, brother, the times when there was nothing that you wouldn't have done for the Lord Jesus. Remember, sister, when you would have went up mountain high and down valley low. You would have went through hell and high water, so to speak, for him. Do you remember your heart like that? Do you remember the times like that? And now it's a take it or leave it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Take it or leave it. Brothers and sisters, here he's saying tonight. He's saying to maybe you and your heart tonight. He says, it's time for you to come to me and buy gold tried in the fire. You have to be clothed in raiment or my righteousness. And take my eye salve. I'm told to have an eye salve there, by the way, that it was known throughout that that whole region, they would have came and they would have put it on their eyes because of uh, eye damage that would have helped the knees, the pains in their eyes. And Christ says, come to me and I'll give you myself. Come to me and I'll clothe you with white raiment. Come to me and I'll make you rich, rich in the spirit. Pastor Glenn said this morning, we can have our, our food and we can have our clothing and we have our riches and that's all right, he says. But what did he say? But when you're coming to pray, you're praying for, the, for God's blessings. Remember the psalmist that he was saying, David? Lord, these things of this world are needful. We need them to live, and and they're nice to have them, and it's good to be comfortable at times. But really, all these things will pass away. It's your presence that we need. It's you we need, Lord. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches and toll. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail, scarred hands, than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And hence we have this seventh church, the final one. How long does it last for? I don't know. I don't know the day nor the hour when Christ will return. I don't know. But the challenge is to our hearts tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready to come? Surrender all. Give your all to him. So let's look at a bit more of the prophetic side of this tonight. Turn with me. To Daniel, please. Daniel chapter 12. I just want to do a little bit of, um, I suppose you could call them apologetics for a few moments, just slightly. Daniel chapter 12. And let's read just verse 9. And see, if you read this chapter, Daniel's speaking of the resurrection that's to come yet as well, you know. You'll read that in verse 2. 
And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that uh, uh, that they may that they turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So he's talking about resurrection here. But know what it says in verse 9. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for notice the words, the words that the angel has spoken unto him. Michael, this is, the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Would you read that verse for me? Let's read it together. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. What does he mean, the time of the end? Is it the end of the old covenant into the new? Because there we have the Gospels coming right up until the cross of Christ. Then there's the new covenant ratified. There are people that believe that A.D. 70, uh, when the destruction of Jerusalem was the last days and the end times and everything's done. Well, if that be so, well, what are we to do tonight? If it's all over and done with, what, what are we doing here tonight? So I'm going to show you something different than this. That's not true. I don't believe that for one moment. Turn with me to the book of Revelation again, please. Revelation again, this time chapter 1. Chapter 1. Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So here we have post-cross, resurrection, ascension of Christ. Years later we have the age of John on the Isle of Patmos and here the, the, the Lord gives him all of this to write. And he says that the time is at hand. Go with me to verse 19 of the chapter. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be. What does it say? Will you shout it out? That was miserable. That's terrible. What is it? Hereafter. Hereafter. When after? From John's day. After. From John's day after. From hereafter, the Lord says. From John's day after. Go to the end of the book of Revelation, please, and go to chapter 22, last chapter. And let your eye run down, if you will, verse 9. It says, Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. This is the worship, uh, the, the, the angel, and he says, for I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren, the prophets. Notice, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Verse 10, now take note. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is... What is it? So Daniel, shut up to the end of the time. The time of the end. Shut it up until then, Daniel. Seal up the book. And it's sealed. We have those of uh, the captives of Jews, of Judah. They come out and they read Ezra and Nehemiah. They build the temple and the walls again. And then after that, we have the Lord Jesus coming and the Gospels. We have the Lord Jesus going to the cross and dying and rising again the third day, sending into heaven and so on. And then we have the birth of the early church with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And years later, years later, John's told on a barren island, these things are going to happen. They're at hand from hereafter 
And he says, don't seal the book. So Daniel seals them. John reveals them. Daniel seals, John reveals. So notice here in Revelation 16. And so we believe here that history is unfolded out uh, in the reformed historicism of the reforming or the opening up and the revealing as the time goes on of this book of prophecy. And so we have here the church of the Laodiceans. That's today's church in church age. The seventh church started just over 100 years ago and you and I are in it and it's the last church before Jesus returns. Revelation 16. We have the sixth angel in verse 12. Pours out the vial upon the great river Euphrates. The waters thereof were dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like fogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So now you see where we are here. The nations are being gathered together by demonic spirits for Armageddon. For the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now, the pouring out of the sixth vial by the sixth angel. We're going to look at it. We've looked at some of this over the last couple of weeks. So forgive me, but if you get this into your mind, it'll help you. For example, um, can we have our first slide, please? Or our first PowerPoint. Slide's an old word, isn't it? You don't use that anymore, so you don't. Uh, first PowerPoint. Um, Israel is divided into two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom's called the House of Israel, southern kingdom's called the House of Judah. The northern kingdom have their own capital city called Samaria, and they have their own uh, line of kings, are not legitimate. The southern line, they have Ahab and so on up there. And to that northern kingdom, in your own testament, you have prophets like. Elijah goes there, and Elisha, and Amos the prophet um, is from the southern kingdom, goes to the northern kingdom, and you have Hosea, who speaks to the northern kingdom. And that's Hosea, who marries a woman of whoredoms called Gomer, and the Lord is saying, Hosea, you're me. Gomer is the northern kingdom of Israel. And so she then goes after other men, goes into the marketplaces of slavery, and he tells, he tells Hosea, go and buy back Gomer again. And so Hosea, in the book of, in the book of Hosea, goes back and he buys her again. And that's the, the new covenant of that we're in under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are taken away captive by the Assyrians. Now, then we're going to show you here that the southern kingdom will be taken away captive about 150, 20 or 50 or so years later. And they're taken captive by the Babylons and Babylonians. And we read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Daniel in the land's den and that sort of, all that sort of stuff as well. So notice this here, if you will. The Lord said to Israel that if you um, walk contrary to me, I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now, I read these. I'm going to read one just, and it's in Leviticus. It's in Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. Okay, and the Lord says, just let me get one. I was looking at the wrong book there. Leviticus 26. For example, verse 18. And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. And then he says, it. we looked at it before, and the Lord says, I walk contrary to you, I'm going to break your power. Notice here, Israel's seven times punishment. 
So we looked at it, one circle is 360 degrees. Now, if you work it out and you want it to be really complicated, you can work out what's known as lunar cycles and solar cycles, and you mix them to sort of together, and you can get sort of the, the idea of, of a number very, very close to 360. Three, if I'm facing you, turn around, come the whole way back again, 360, 360. That's one time. Seven times 360 is 2,520. Now, if you will, turn with me to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. And let your eye just run down for a verse or two. Uh, Numbers 14, verse 33. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bury your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, notice, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. So the Lord says it's a day for a year. So when you have Seven times 360, that's seven times. Seven times 360, 2,520. 2,520 years, but it's a a day for a year. So here the Lord is saying, for 2,520 years, you're going to be in punishment, Israel. Notice 2,520 years. So that happens. Can I have the next one, please? I think it's the next one. So the northern kingdom, 745 B.C., 2,520 years. This is when Shalmaneser comes from the Assyrians, takes them away captive. Only a little scattering of them are left. And those from the tribe of like Asher, uh, some of them uh, uh, go down into Jerusalem. And then later, Anna of Asher and all is in the temple. That's why she's there. But 1776 is the end of their captivity. And this is when the United States was formed, the 13 eastern seaboard, seaboard colonies of the United States. They would be raised up as a great nation. And that's, this nation would be raised up for the purposes that you're even seeing today, where the American fleets are sailing up the very Mediterranean. Notice here, 721 B.C. is the last the deportation. 722 into 721 was when... Uh, the city of Samaria was captured, the northern kingdom's capital, taken away. Seven times punishment brings us to 1801 AD, and that 1801 is when there was the union of Great Britain and Ireland. And of course, we see the nations who are gathering together tonight in support of the Israelis tonight. Notice this here, if you will. Let's go to the next slide, please. Here is the seven times of the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom lose their identity. Don't know who they are, but the Lord doesn't lose anyone. The Lord loses none. Will you go to the next one, please? The house of Judah. Northern kingdom are away, taken captive. They're gone. The house of Judah. The Lord sends warnings through the prophets. Isaiah speaks to them. Jeremiah speaks to them. We can... We can go on. All these prophets are speaking to him, saying, your, your brethren in the north have been taken away because of their sin. Now you turn away from your sin, or you'll be brought into captivity as well. They refused, and their seven times punishment began in 604 B.C. Now take note of this. 604 B.C. If we, I don't have it on PowerPoint tonight, but if you were to go to 607 uh, B.C. That was when Nebuchadnezzar, or the Babylonian king, was crowned in 607. And you take away the 2520. Don't forget you put one on as well because of there's no year not. So it's minus one to a plus one. It takes you to the year 1914. That's in 607 now, to 1914. And that's when God took peace from off the earth and the First World War was started. Now, here's the thing. Just before that, in years, the seventh church was starting then. The lukewarmness of the church started to happen then. 
in around this, just before this, maybe 20 years before this, in 1897, the Rothschilds started to buy up land um, of the Holy Land. They bought up the Valley of Jezreel. This is where it's mentioned, where there would be Armageddon is mentioned about this. This is all linked together. And of course, these are international monetary bankers. Rothschild, their, their name in English is Rothschild, but their real name is Red Shield. That's what it means, the Red Shield. And of course, they bought up all of this swathes of land. And by the way, uh, the Rothschilds actually tried to get Jews. There were some that would have been living there, but tried to get Jews to go to the land to live. And they weren't very successful. How would we get Jews to go and live in this land? But what if there was something that there was a nation rose up against them and started to persecute them and started to kill them? They'll want somewhere for their safety. This was all done behind the scenes of the elitists to bring them in to the Holy Land. This was all the elitist work because where the land of Israel is, it's the center point, as I told you, of the, of the African continent or the south. The southeast was to the Asian continent or the southeast Asian continent. And of course, to the east, you go right across to the Asians and to the north, you have Europe to the northwest and of course into the, the Russian continent all around that country there. And it's a linchpin. And of course, the elites, they are holding on to They want that. So what do they do? These people, are, these Jews are, are being persecuted. The vast majority of the Jews knew nothing about this sort of stuff. And they're going, where are we going to go? So they bring them here. Here's a homeland for you. Do you know that they were offered by the British government Madagascar? And they turned it down and says, no, we don't want to go to Madagascar. And they brought them there. And it was all an elitist plot and ploy. Why? Well, that's where we are tonight. That's the problem. This is where we are tonight. So stay with me. I know time's flying here. Stay with me. Nebuchadnezzar, 1917, when you take away, this is when uh, Jerusalem was finally conquered. Seven times punishment, 2,520, brings us to the year 1917. So what you have this, the, 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 the Laodicean church age, the lukewarm church age. You have in behind it these international bankers. I'm going to show you them at work in a minute, in 1917. The international bankers. And then, of course, they're bringing the people over. The people are there. They're starting to get settled. And, of course, something happens that they are able to settle even from this date. Take note of this, if you will. When you turn with me, to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. And let your eye, if you will, run down the chapter for time's sake. This is when uh, we know as Belshazzar's feast. Let me just give you a little bit of history of what's happening in this. Belshazzar's feast, they take the, that which was took out of the temple of God in Jerusalem and they start to uh, have a, a party with it, really. And they started to use the holy things as profane things. And the handwriting of God comes on, handwriting a man's hand starts to write on the wall. And they need it interpreted. So let your eye, if you will, run down to verse 25 just for time's sake. And this is the writing that was written. Mini, mini, tikel, you farson. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Now notice the language. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tikel, thou art wed in the balances and art found wanting. Notice, numbered, now wed. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And by the next chapter, you find that Darius, the maid, comes in and the Persians come in and they take away 
those of Babylon. They move in to be the next kingdom, the next overlords of the Babylonian system. Now take note of this. Can you have the next? I had to take this out of a book I had because I couldn't find it. I, I don't know how to put all this together. No, not that one, Andre, please. I, maybe I've jumped ahead on you, have I? I have, sorry. Um, I've jumped ahead on you. Aye. Give me number 14. That's it. So I had to take a photograph. So the Ar- Aramaic, there's many, many to tell you, Farson Perez. The Hebraic is mina, mina, shekel, half a mina. Right? Now, I'm trying to do this as simply as I can for you. See, the mini or the mina is worth a thousand. The mini mina is two thousand. The tekel or the shekel is worth twenty. This is in weights and measures, the, 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 the numerical value of things. And the euphorce and Perez, uh, Perez is really the singular, so it's a half of, of a, a half of a mina, which is five hundred. You see? So when you add it up together, it's, it's a girar, and you add it all up together, and it's 2,520 girars that were actually written on the wall in the palace. And the Lord said, Jerusalem is still under this. And hence, when the Babylonian kingdom was falling, and by the next chapter, the Medes and the Persians come, having time to talk about it, go to Daniel 2, and you'll find that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel interprets the dream. And he sees a man with head of gold and arms and silver and chest of silver, belly of bronze, legs of iron, feet of part of iron and part of clay. And he says, Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, O king, thou art this head of gold. Babylon is the head of gold. The next one is inferior to it. It's the arms and silver, Medes and the Persians. And that's in Daniel chapter 6. Next comes Alexander the Great, the kingdom of bronze or brass. And then after that, the pagan Roman Empire, the legs of iron, the strength of Rome. And it leads us right through into Europe to the European Union and the, the whole new world order of the part of iron and part of clay. So this brings us right through this time. We're at the feet at the minute. We are at, after the sixth, sixth angel poured out his vial, uh, 100 and... Six years ago. Can you see where we are, folks, in all this, the spirits that are all around us and it's happening in our nation today? The sixth angel poured out the vial. The river Euphrates was dried up. Let's go back again, please, Andrea. Sorry, I jumped ahead of you. I'm, I'm conscious of time. It's fl- flying here. Go right back, if you will. Yes, after this one. So there's the Babylonian Empire. The curve there, you can see the river Euphrates. And that's the curve of the Fertile Crescent. So the River Euphrates goes around. Now, the River Euphrates drying up. I know people say about the River Euphrates, the river must dry up. And listen, the river's dried up before. And it almost dried up last year. But it's not drying up now. Rather, the people who populated and irrigated the whole land were the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And the Turkish Ottoman Empire... They, they populated the whole way around here. Let me see where I am because Andre's given me these to go through. I asked him to do them. Okay, so the Ottoman Empire. Sorry, Andre, go to number 12. <laughs> the Turkish Muslim Ottoman Empire. There was their empire, vast empire. And, of course, they were actually only stopped in, before they, to, oh, they took Vienna in Austria. That's where they actually stopped. There's Vienna there. And they actually were stopped there. And then, of course, through Bulgaria, Greece, Romania, they pushed right through until then they were pushed right back again. And uh, nominal Christian countries they, they became. But here's what I want you to see. In the seven times punishment of Judah, the southern kingdom now, was 1917 was the finish of it. 1917, General Belvoir goes to uh, General Allenby and says, will you go and liberate Jerusalem from the Ottomans? Everyone came back with egg in their face who has went and tried to do this, and Allenby didn't want to do it. But General Belvoir came and he says, 
Look, there's a book here, a couple of books. One was called Light for the Last Days. The other one's called The Approaching End of the Age. And they're written by Henry Grattan Guinness. His statue is right outside uh, Trinity College in Dublin, just on the other side of the road from it. And he was part of the Guinness family, but half of that Guinness family were evangelical Christians. He was a mighty preacher, and he was well known across the United States, Europe, and, of course, Britain and Ireland. He had written that whoever seen the year 1917 would see an epic time because it would be liberated according to Bible prophecy as a year for a day. Allenby goes on the strength of this. There's bloodshed all over the, the whole region. Um, Mary Hughes' book, the, the Land is Mine, the Lord says, uh, read it and it tells you of the bloodshed that was there. When they get to Jerusalem, Allenby sends the planes up. Have we got them, Andrew, the planes? The little bywings I showed you them the other week. Sends the planes up. The Royal Flying, Earth, the Royal Flying Corps, they were called before it was the RAF. And these little planes dropped leaflets telling the Turks to surrender. The Turks surrendered without a bomb being dropped, the shot being fired. And it fulfilled, and I've read it out, Isaiah 31 and 5, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem, and so on. This happened in history. At the end of 1917, at the end of the punishment of the seven times of Judah, the little southern kingdom of Judah. Now stay with me. A coin was drafted up. There's it there. I said, I have one of those. There only be tiny coin. It looks big there because it's blew up. There's only be tiny thing. And on the other side, there's Arabic writing there. And that Arabic writing is from the book of Daniel as well. And it is from the Hagira calendar, which is the Islamic calendar. Daniel chapter 12, if you will, please. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335 days. 1, 3, 3, 5. The year 1917, the end of Judah's punishment. What happened in that year? It was the Hegira calendar, the Islamic calendar's year of 1335. That's it in Arabic. Exact same year. And it ended as well the handwriting on the wall, meaning, meaning to tell you, 2520, when you add all the girars and the miners together of their monetary and weights and measure value. You may say, why do I need to know all that? Well, I'll tell you why, because it proves God's word's true. And it proves that he's still the governor among the nations. And it proves that he's still on the throne and he's still in charge. That's what it proves. The number here, 1335 in the Hegira calendar, was uh, another time piece because um, not only did it signify 1917 and 1917, 1335, they both signified the 2520. They proved it together. Now, the river Euphrates, the sixth angel, the river Euphrates dried up at the pouring out of the sixth angel in the vial. You ready? What happened in 1917? It was to make way, prepare for the, the kings of the East. In 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution started. The Bolshevik Revolution started. And by the way, before we go any further with this, General Allenby, and here's a strange thing, there was a, a prophecy, an Islamic prophecy, by the way. Um, maybe it's a proverb more than a prophecy, but listen to what it said. When the waters of the Nile flow into Palestine, then will a prophet drive the Turks out of Palestine. That was one of theirs. When General Allenby came, he piped the water from the Nile in Egypt right through into the Holy Lands, and the water started to flow. Edmund Allenby, his name Allenby in Arabic is Allah and Nabi. Allah and Nabi. Allah for their God. And Nebe, and it means the prophet or the servant of God. Is that strange? God's in charge of even the very minutest of details. Do you see whenever Jonah ran from the Lord and he was going to Tarshish? Do you remember he gets on the ship? 
Do you know why he was running? Because the house of Israel were still there. He knew they were in their sin. And God says, go and cry against the Assyrians because if if you cry against them, they'll repent and Nineveh will turn to me and I'll forgive them. But Jonah says, well, if I don't cry against them and they aren't forgiven and I run and hide, the Lord won't be using them as a chastening rod against the northern kingdom of Israel. And it means the northern kingdom won't be taken away. Jonah thought he was smarter than the Lord. But when he goes, the Lord had already prepared a big fish. Think about it. Now the Lord says, see, this fish is being born. That's about the right time. And we know the fish spits him out. When he goes to Nineveh, do you know who Nineveh's chief god was? Dagon. Do you know who Dagon was? Dagon was the half-man, half-fish god. The half-man, half-fish god. In fact, if you remember, it was in the Philistines even worshipped him. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant in and set it before Dagon. And the next day they came round and now Dagon was on his face where his head fell off. With the Ark of the Covenant there. He was the fish god. The man who was brought out, spat out by the fish. By the way, when you see those big huts, you know the big, big papal huts called miters? They go on fish miters like a fish's mouth. That's what they represent. They're fish miters. Take note. Alan Bay, Alan and Nebe, the prophet who comes from God. I must close this. Bear with me to get this closed because it is a big subject and I know it's a lot. But the Russian Revolution, also known as the Bolshevik Revolution, okay, started in 19... The same year that the 2,520, the 1,335 and the 1,917, the end of the seven times punishment, the exact same year the Bolshevik Revolution started in Russia. Now, here's the thing to note. Here's the thing to take note. It says that the river Euphrates, that was the Ottoman Empire, started to shrink up. And I think it's about 1823, 24, became just known as what Turkey is today. They lost everything. Their caliphate and all was gone within years. 1917 just started to really shrink up. The river Euphrates had dried up. Ottomans, their power, their population just dried right up from it. And in the same year, the Bolshevik Revolution started or the Russian Revolution. Both are the same. And here's what happened. There was a woman from Korea. And her her name was Alexandra Kim. And she took on the Bolshevik uh, uh, Marxist ideologies. And she took them into Siberia and then down into Korea. And she was to stir up the Koreans to come and help with the Bolshevik revolution. To turn them all about the Bolsheviks. That the kings of the east might be prepared. Remember? The kings of the east. So here they're starting to be prepared. There was a young man shortly after then. He's called Mao Zedong. Becomes known as Chairman Zedong. He takes the same ideology into China. The Chinese start fighting among among themselves about it. The Chinese nationalists fight with the Chinese uh, communists and the Chinese nationalists are pushed back to a wee place called the Republic of China. Do you know where that is? It's called Taiwan. Taiwan's actual proper name is the Republic of China, by the way. There's two Chinas in the world. And the Taiwan is the, the Republic of China. And that's why today the Chinese are saying, this is ours. And these Chinese nationalists who were backed by the United States, that great nation, comes along and says, no, you're not taking this. Can you see all this fitting the together in God's place and plan. So in 1917, this Bolshevik revolution happens. Is there another one of those, Andre? Is there? Can you go back to the other one, please? Another one? I thought I had another one. Here's what happened. Is there another, a third one? No. No. Yes, yeah, so I know it's that one. No, the other one, one with the money. And so on. See this with the money here. So that's a book by Omni C. Sutton. Uh, Wall Street. Take note. Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. What has Wall Street in New York got to do with the Bolshevik Revolution? I'll tell you. 
It's the international monetary bankers of Wall Street backed the Russian Revolution. The elitists way back then were backing this. You go to Wall Street, you'll see the big bull. You'll see it all there, all the symbologies all around you. The elitists were there backing this. The Wall Street, go to London. You'll find it in London. See, if you go into the city of London where the, where the financial capital is, do you know what's written on the two posts as you come out? Gog and Magog. Two statues, Gog and Magog. And that brings me into this. Andrew, can you go on to the next one? Ezekiel 38 speaks of these nations. Russia and the Turkish nations of Magog around there. You have Turkey in the green, Meshach and Tubal, Persia as Iran. Here they are here together. And then the ships of Tarshish. Of, remember 1801? Used to be rule Britannia, Britannia ruled the waves. They are, a, they are a maritime force. Start to come up and say, out there come to take a spoil. The Tarshish means the smelting people. That's where the tin mine were. That's where the copper came from. All from Britain. Away in Solomon's day even. And he's writing and he's saying, there's going to be a forces that come out and say, are you come to take a spoil? And it's all to do with that little bit of land that the Rothschilds bought and brought the Jewish people into it. And they're saying, we own the very pivotal land of the world. This is between, this is between the sixth vial and the seventh vial and the seventh vial that is poured out the Lord says he's going to wipe them out. And we're sitting between these two vials. Now, what's happening in the Middle East? I don't know what developing something else into this. I don't know. It could calm down. But here's what I'm saying. We don't know. And it could become this war. If it is, are you saved and ready? Are you saved and are you ready for Christ's return? And so I finish with this. Thank you. That's been, I didn't mean it to go on so long, or forgive me. I'll maybe do this some other night in a few weeks, or maybe after Christmas. In Revelation chapter 16 and verse 17, there's a vial poured out upon the earth. And you're going to see that this war is global, it's spiritual, it's physical, it's powerful. On this aerial. And Jesus says tonight. Jesus says tonight. I don't want you to miss this now. The Lord Jesus says tonight. Thou sayest. Thou art increased with goods. And of need of nothing. Knowest thou not that thou art wretched. And miserable. And poor. And blind and naked, and I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. We are that church age, that church people. Are you saved and serving? Team, would you come up, please?